Yeah, so maybe you can identify with that idea. I'm going through a journey right now that's painful. Or if you're not in the middle of a journey right now that's painful, you've been through a journey that was painful, haven't you? I think everybody in the room can say, yes, I have. And maybe your mind is flashing back to what those circumstances were. Well, if you don't know me, my name's Mike or Pastor Mike, as some call me. And we are, as has been said, in the third week of our Explore God series, we're going to tackle this hot potato this morning. Are you ready? The idea of wondering about uh, pain and suffering and what purpose God could have for our pain and our suffering. What I'd ask you to do um, is consider pulling uh, the Bible on your phone and uh, taking a look at that Romans chapter 8 passage, if you've got it available, if you want to look at the scriptures this morning and you have access to a phone or to a Bible, I'd invite you to take a look at that and uh, explore with me the idea that God does allow pain and suffering. If God exists, he does allow it. And as we're diving into the why of that, um, I would ask that we would open our minds and be prepared to receive whatever it is that's said today from a discussion point of view. In other words, what we're not going to do is drop platitudes on you this morning that are going to solve the issues and answer all the questions. The idea of Explore God is to, is to engender and to build discussion so that we can learn and grow together in relationship. So what we're going to do this morning with the topic of pain and suffering is we're going to make a series of promises. There are going to be three promises and one statement. The first promise is this. We're not going to solve the issue of pain and suffering today. So we're not going to give an answer to this that's going to have you walk away in such a way that you encounter pain and suffering and then you can automatically just get through it. For example, uh, this week, uh, my wife Heather over there, I'm just going to go ahead and put her on the spot. When you're married to a pastor, this just happens, okay? It's a part of the package deal. She got to travel to California this week for a conference and she had a little mishap and actually broke the end of one of her fingers it's the ring finger on her dominant hand, her right hand. And so the question probably became to her as she was sitting in sunny California, learning all kinds of good stuff and getting a little work done. Why do I have to deal with this on this beautiful trip? And of course, from my perspective, I was just grateful that it wasn't her middle finger that was broken because she's got this huge splint on it. And that would have just been really awkward. Wouldn't you agree? But we have to ask ourselves the question, what about pain and suffering? What we're not going to do is come back with pat answers. So we're not going to throw a bunch of stuff at you that, you know, where you need to go away and do something with it. Like all you need to do is pray. What I've caught myself saying uh, to someone who's suffering is, you know what? It's going to work out in the end. God's got this. Or, um, you know, if, if we just spend some time praying and, and looking at it from God's point of view, then it's all going to be okay. And there are circumstances in which it's just not okay. When you're in the middle of pain and suffering, it's difficult and it's hard. And your faith is in question. And you're questioning whether or not there is a God. And if you believe in God by default in the middle of pain and suffering, you might be wondering why in the world would he allow this to happen to you? What we're not going to do is tell you that you need to have more faith. That is not how God works. God is not a God who makes dependence of your growth completely land on your shoulders. 
We believe and teach that he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can grow. And at the same time, he allows us to be human. That's why he provided Jesus so that we're not perfect, recognizing that he is. That's how God works. So what we're not gonna say today is, you just simply need to have more faith when your pain and suffering comes upon you. And then the last thing we're gonna share with you, not so much a promise, but just an idea to explore. Uh, we might not be able to figure it out, uh, the pain and suffering we're going through, or make perfect sense of it, but we can reasonably confident that God has a reason. Now, this idea can also become a pat answer if we're not careful. I've caught myself saying to people who've just lost a spouse, you know, your loved one is in heaven with God, and God must have a reason. Saying something like that to someone who is in pain and suffering and has experienced loss, is, it's like throwing cold water on somebody who needs a warm blanket. So we're not going to throw religious pat answers at you with this. What we are going to do is open a discussion. And we're going to let uh, the way God approaches the subject float out there as a way for us to explore him and see parts of his character that perhaps we haven't seen before. The idea is we're going to tackle suffering in this way. We're going to allow suffering and pain to bring more questions to the surface. So what I want to promise to you lastly today as we get into this, there is no question that's off limits. When you think about the suffering that you've been through, what you have experienced, when you think about what you went through, there's no question that you could have about that that is off limits. There's nothing irreligious about your question. God wants us to question. He wants us to seek him. He wants us to explore him. And so that is our promise today as we get into this. I want you to take a look at this just for a moment. I think a lot of people have misconceptions about who God is. They really do think that God exists to fix their lives. There was a bloke at our church who was a seeker. And uh, during the death of his mother, he just basically said, if I, as a finite human being, would do everything within my power, including medical care, love and concern to stop my mother from dying like this, how can there be a loving God who would let this happen? I'm not sure there is an answer to the problem. You either have to assign blame towards God, uh, which to me doesn't line up with the character of Jesus. You have to uh, assign blame completely to humans. And I think that the ways that we do interact with the planet do have some very real consequences. Or you have to say, there's no meaning behind it, period. And life is blind evolution and chance. And so why does it matter anyway? There's never gonna be a fully resolvable answer. And anybody who claims with authority that they can I'd be a little suspicious of. You're either going to malign the character of God, assign it to complete randomness and meaninglessness, or interact with human beings. I think there's some interplay between uh, God and human response where there's an element of mystery that we can't understand. I got a lot of comfort um, from the scene in uh, the Gospels where one of Jesus' friends dies. And if Jesus claims to be God, what, what Jesus does with evil gives us a real clue about how God feels about it. Uh, firstly, whenever saw Jesus saw Jesus saw sickness, he healed it, he responded to it. He wasn't passive. He didn't say, that's my will, just suffer. He acted uh, to respond to it. 
uh, when his friend died, Jesus wept. And so that's, I think, one of the most compelling verses. Uh, Jesus makes the claim that he's the creator God. And like an artist who has a beautiful gallery filled with fine art, uh, and then a vandal breaks in and destroys it all, the artist would walk in and weep at the loss of his work. I think that's what we see with Jesus. He, he comes into the human story, sees the brokenness and pain of death, and his response to it is not stoicism, but he weeps and then he acts. And I found that just remarkably comforting, that even though there wasn't an, a big answer for God to fix everything immediately, there was a deep sense that he cared about it, that he was working within it. And ultimately, Jesus on the cross was involved in healing human pain. He wasn't outside of it. He wasn't passive, but he actually took sin and brokenness upon himself uh, to undo all of the things that we have done. I love the idea that God weeps and then acts. There are two responses to our suffering and pain. God's empathy and then God's uh, motivation and action. The temptation here when we look at pain and suffering is to take the responsibility on ourselves. And you've heard this before, the idea that everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is that you're stupid and make bad decisions. Well, I'll have to admit some pain and suffering in my life is because of bad decisions that I've made. But some pain and suffering I've had in my life was not my fault. I just simply had it happen to me. And in both of those circumstances, I had to step back and ask myself why. But in those circumstances, even when it's my fault, what we're opening ourselves up to the idea of today is that God weeps and then God acts. There are two sides to this from God's perspective. And C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And if you look at somebody like this, an image on the screen where there's a man pointing down and using a megaphone, if you're listening by podcast, think about this idea. Someone is shouting through a megaphone you could come up with a whole lot of different scenarios why somebody would do that. Somebody could shout at you with a megaphone to try to help you, to try to save you from some circumstance, as if you were getting ready to drive your car off a cliff and they wouldn't be able to get through to you unless they used a megaphone. Or maybe it's a coach on a field who is trying to guide people toward victory. Or maybe it's somebody who's just simply trying to get their kids to come in from the backyard. Whatever the circumstance might be, God uses pain and suffering as a way to get our attention. And I don't want you to hear that from a different perspective, from a perspective of God being malicious. God doesn't force pain and suffering upon us. God allows it sometimes. And why would he use that to get our attention? Is there something about God's character that he has to use pain and suffering to get my attention. Can he not just talk to me and get my attention? Well, sometimes that works, right? But sometimes I'm not listening. And sometimes it takes something louder than a whisper to get my attention. And in 100% of cases, in times of pain and suffering in my own life, that got my attention. Where even when I was the most depraved person, the most self-driven person, or even in times when I really just didn't trust in God yet. 
the pain and suffering in my life got my attention. And something within me wanted to call out to something bigger and more than me. In those times, we recognize and realize that it could be God reaching out to us. I want to go back over some scriptures that Jackie shared earlier and read them with a couple of emphases here. This is Romans chapter 8, in, in verse, uh, starting in verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. In other words, God's Holy Spirit testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Trusting in Christ, we are God's children. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I want to emphasize the word sufferings and the word glory. In verse 18, the scripture says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. If you believe in Jesus today, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have a certain perspective on the end game of your life, don't you? Even if you don't understand why you're going through pain and suffering right now, then your perspective is as you've learned or, or as you should have been told somewhere along the way, in the end, it's gonna work out well for you. Because where are you gonna go when you die? You go to heaven. Now what's heaven like? Is there pain and suffering in heaven? No, no more tears will be shed. No more pain will be had in heaven. So as a follower of Jesus, you've got that in your future. And for some people in the church, it's really easy to bank on that future and put trust in it. For others, we question it and we doubt it when we hit seasons of pain and suffering, but we still hear that message from God. In the end, it's gonna work out okay. Along with and after your sufferings in this present life, there's going to be glory. Now, what does that glory look like? That's not necessarily our glory. It's the glory of God where everyone in the world sees God and sees him for ultimately who he is and what he is. Loving, benevolent, just, and sovereign all at the same time. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Christians hear that message. And there's a certain amount of faith and trust we can put in the end game. But then the question becomes this, for those who don't trust in Jesus, or who are doubting faith in God, who look at the things that the church has perpetrated throughout history and said there can't be God because of what the church has done. People who will not go into a church because of what they see on the news about what church leaders are doing with their bodies, with their money, with their power, with their influence, and turning away from the church in droves and saying, I don't want to be a part of that, so I can't be a part of what God is offering to me because the church is brokering that along with a bunch of risky business, stuff that I can't trust. What about for those people? What about for those who don't know Jesus, don't trust in God yet? Let's shed a little bit of light on that side of life. Romans 8:20 says this, for the creation, and that is how much of the creation? 
not just the Christians in creation. For the creation, the whole thing, people, earth, everything, was subjected to what? Frustration. Now, what is frustration? Somebody shout out what frustration is. What does it mean to you? Now, psychologists would call it a little bit of anger. What is frustrating to you? Children are frustrating to you. What else? Indecision is frustrating to you. What else? Chaos, disorder is frustrating to you. What else? Lack of progress or movement is frustrating to you. What else? Lack of money is frustrating, isn't it, Kim? What else? Parking is frustrating. Yes. What else? I, amen. Oh, parky. Yeah, yeah parky is frustrating. Yep. Yep. God bless him. Yep. Absolutely. Though it was cool to see him kneel at the end of the game and pray, right? Probably needed a lot of prayer at that point. Uh, parky. Yes. Parking, I think, is frustrated myself, too, along with that. What else? Loud co-workers. Frustrating. Now, let me ask you a question. Could we just keep going on and on? Life is full of frustrations, isn't it? Look at this. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Wait a minute. What? Who's the one who subjected all of us to frustration? Who's the one who allowed us to be frustrated? God. Uh-oh. Why? In hope, verse 21, that the creation itself will be liberated or set free from what the NIV version here calls the bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And likewise, what we're going to do is pull out this frustration. We're going to kind of align it with suffering. Think about that. Suffering is perhaps being able to see the end of something that is not painful and not difficult and not be able to get there on your own. Pain and suffering are, kind of keep us stuck where we might see the end of it. Let's say we have a medical issue that needs surgery and needs rehabilitation. We can't just snap our fingers and get through that whole process in an instant, can we? We have to go through that. Let's say we have difficulties in our marriage. We can't just wave a magic wand and all those difficulties go away overnight, can they? Even if we say they're going to. It takes hard work and perseverance and trust to build that relationship. Or let's say we're stuck in a job for years and years and years without any forward progress whatsoever and we need patience, but we don't wanna ask God for patience because when you ask God for patience, what does he do? He gives you something to be patient about. So you don't wanna ask him for patience. You wanna ask him for what's at the end of that tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel, right? But then in the meanwhile, we're kind of stuck it's frustrating. It's difficult to suffer and to have pain in your life. But there's also this idea of glory on the back side of it. And who has access to that glory? I want to suggest to you this morning 
as a discussion point. That the same people who are subjected to the bondage to decay and deal with pain and suffering in this life also have the opportunity for God's glory and the freedom that comes with it. And that's how many of us, all of us, whether we believe in Jesus or not, whether we believe in the church or not, whether we trust in God or not, all people who suffer and have evil affect their lives all over the world are subject to what the Bible calls the bondage to decay. What is that? That is simply this. It's the effect of sin in the world going against what God is in his character and going against what he has said. And that's not simply something that we do in our actions. The Bible says that we're conceived in it. We're steeped in it from the beginning. And what that does to the world is it causes it to decay. It causes it to fall apart. It causes our relationships to fall apart. It causes our creation, the creation around us that we're stewards of to fall apart. Some of that is our personal responsibility, but some of it is not. Some of it is stuff that's just happening around us where we look at what's going on in life and we see life falling apart around us. Even if you've got the perfect house, the perfect spouse, the perfect children, the perfect job, the perfect cars, the perfect vacations, the perfect profile on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram, or Snapchat, whether you've got all that stuff or not, there's stuff around you that's falling apart. Everything around us, including us, is subject to the bondage to decay. And it's not necessarily because of sin you perpetrated, though sin you perpetrate will have the same effect. It's because we're all subject to this state of bondage to decay. And what God does is he allows us to experience that so that we can see what's on the other side. And so that all together as a human race, we can ask the question, is there something more than this? It opens our hearts just a little bit more when we suffer and when we deal with pain. Our hearts are open and they move if we find ourselves trusting in God, seeking God, responding to what God says. We find ourselves moving from a state of being of why me and why is this happening to me to a new question. It's as if we're asking a new question about pain and suffering. One of the things I love about Eric, who lost his arm, and when was that, Sabrina? When, when was the month? Um, the accident was August 4th, and he lost it yeah. two weeks later. Yeah, so the accident was in August, right? And, and then in that time frame, his arm was taken. It wasn't functioning anymore, right? One of the things I love about Eric, and he's not here today with us, he's traveling with family. One of the things I love about him is not only does he run our multimedia when he's here about every other week, but he comes to small group and he sits in and, and chimes in every great once in a while. But never once have I heard Eric complain about the loss of his arm. If I lost my arm, 
I would become a different person. You'd be like, who is that? Eric never once, never once complained, even when his arm was busted and in pieces. And I saw that. I saw it in the hospital. We prayed over his arm and we said goodbye to his arm. And then they took it. That, that blows my mind. That perplexes me. His arm is dead to him, he said. There's an old part of him that's dead and gone. It's been cut free from him. He's been liberated from it. Now, how twisted and weird is that? That we can say to things that we've lost, they're dead to me because I am born new again in Jesus. Now, friends, if you, if you are a person who doesn't trust in God, if you don't believe in Jesus and buy all this stuff that the church is selling, you're going to experience the bondage to decay. You're going to experience it. If you're not experiencing it now, you will. And when that day comes, God will be there. Even if he makes the slightest impression on you by opening your mind to the question, why would God allow this to happen to me? He's setting you up for the best news you're ever going to hear. He is here to liberate you and to set you free. And pain has a function of that. Suffering has a function in that. It's a clarion call. It opens up who we are to spiritual truth. We get to hear things spiritually that we don't normally hear in the busyness and convenience of life. Think of it this way, from the Christian point of view. First Peter chapter five says this. Peter says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. What's his name? Satan, right? He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have you ever felt like the pain and suffering you were in were going to overtake you and replace you with something else that wasn't you? They were going to eat you up and devour you from the inside out? Scripture says, stand firm against him, against Satan. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. That's the believers. And we look at that, the believers of the world look at pain and suffering, and we see the enemy using that to try to tear us apart, devour us from the inside out. But what about those who don't have that perspective? First Peter 5.10 says this to them. It says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory not by means of your own works or by being strong enough or evolved enough to overcome your own pain and suffering, but by and through Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will do these things to you. He will restore you. He will support you. He will strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. Now, what happens when a building has a poor foundation? 
like a building built on sand. When life's troubles come along, what happens to the building? It's destroyed. But when a building is built on a firm foundation, can it withstand pain and suffering? Yeah. That call is for all of humanity. God allows that pain and that suffering to stand as a calling to all people who are subject to the bondage to decay. And this is the message for you and me today. Whether you trust in Jesus or not, the message is this. God is for you, not against you. God knows what's best for you and plays life out according to that knowledge. God seeks you and desires you and finds you in ways that you're not expecting and allows you to hear that call as long as it takes for you to be open to him. And the openness is not its own point. God doesn't open your heart just for its own sake. God opens your heart because he wants these things for you. He wants to restore you. Question, are you broken and in need of restoration? God will restore you. Do you feel lonely and are in need of support? God will walk with you. Do you feel weak, depraved, and without? God will strengthen you. And do you feel like you have nothing you can count on? God will build under your life a firm foundation, a foundation that cannot be shaken when you run into life's troubles, whether those troubles are self-perpetrated or not. God will build under you a firm foundation that cannot be destroyed or taken away. The idea is this. When we think about pain and suffering, will we be open to the idea that pain and suffering are a condition that all human beings have? And that that condition that all of us share is a precursor to the good news that all of us have access to. Not only is it the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the grave, but the good news that God means to be for us and has the power to carry that meaning out. I'd ask you to pray with me now. If you're a praying person, and if you're not, just sit and listen to the prayer. But let God's power and peace wash over you if you're a believer or intrigue you and tinge your heart just a little bit if you're not and be open to the idea that he loves you and that he calls out to you in pain and suffering not as a pat answer but as an open way to a relationship dear Jesus thank you for speaking to us and through us Thank you for giving us the opportunity to know you on a deeper level, on a real level. When I go through pain and suffering, God, I'm tempted to jettison the idea of God and his grace. I ask your forgiveness for that. And for those around me who don't know you, I ask that you would use my life in a way to demonstrate that you have conquered that bondage to decay.
and you've released my spirit from being captive to it anymore. God, I trust you, or at least I'm interested. On this day, I open myself to one more step in faith, one more step toward you through your, your son Jesus and all he does and is. In his name we pray, amen.